0: challenge what is expected of you this world is not your home you are different you were created to be different some of you have a hard time celebrating that We've been talking about the last few weeks and actually the entire month of September. We've been walking through the book of First Peter. And as we walk through this series of different, we've seen a lot of different things. And we've talked about how we need to be uh, different in our culture. Right. We want to. There's a lot of people talking about a cancel culture. Today, what we really want to talk about is uh, canceling unholy culture in this day and age, right? We talked a little bit about cancel unholy culture. We talked also about how in each one of our lives there's a calling to be different in a dark world, and that's how we talked about being light in a dark world last week, right? We talked about how we need to be light in a dark world. We talked a little bit in week one about um, the truth of how faith. Is different for the believer than it is for those who are non-believers we face trials differently we just do and if we don't we should we have a hope we have a reason come on somebody we have a hope that nobody can say they have unless they have Christ as Lord of their lives so understand this morning that when I'm talking to you about hope And I'm talking to you about the love of God in our lives. I'm talking to you about being a different kind of people. And so, one thing I've learned over the many years of walking with Jesus is that Jesus never promised that there wouldn't be trouble. Some people want to say that Jesus said that, but he never said that. Right? We approach 1 Peter in a very different way because... Peter, when he was talking about um, some of the things he was talking about here and that we've uh, looked over the last few weeks, we realized that when he talked about promises and he talked about trials and tribulations, the persecution that he was talking about was very different for the the first century church. Different. Not worse, not better. Different. What he promised is that when you come to the table, I'm going to be there. There were a lot of people trying to figure out how they're going to go through life without Jesus when he died. You realize that they walked. I mean, Jesus walked with the disciples and when he walked with them for three and a half years, he walked with them. He sailed with them. He fished with them. He gave and he broke bread with them and he fed the multitudes and taught the multitudes cast out demons, healed individuals. I mean, you're talking about what a culture of goodness toward humanity. He walked with them and he sat with the woman at the well and he gave her her mail. You ever, had, you ever talk to somebody that kind of read you like a book? They read your mail. That's what they call that's it. They read your mail. I've had people that come up to me after service, Pastor Tony, were you listening to my life this whole week? Because you just said some things that only apply to me. There could be nobody else in this room that that applies to but me. And if you came for anything, you came for me this morning and preached to me something. You ever felt like that? Somebody ever felt like that? You're like, wow, you just hit it right in the head. And I don't know that. I just know the Lord gives me. Sometimes the Lord gives me prophetic insight, right? He gives me an an idea of, this is what this person's struggling with. Go talk with them. And the Lord will lay that upon me, not every week and not every time. He says, preach this, because somebody needs to hear it. And maybe you're that somebody today. I want you to hear me, because if you follow Jesus Christ, you will be persecuted But guess what? You walk in promise right there. You walk in promise and say, I choose to walk in promise over persecution. I want to bring a message entitled The Power of Persecution. The Power of Persecution. Now, let me talk to you a little bit about this because some of you are like, I don't like this already. Somebody said, in it, Somebody said uh, preaching about persecution one time, they said, this is the best message you never wanted to hear. But I want to tell you something, there's an there's a, there's a upside to this message if you stay with me. You with me? Don't like fall asleep now and then wake up later and then all of a sudden you're like you only catch half, you need to catch the whole thing and here it is. You ready? John 15, now this is not our text, our main text, but John 15 verses 18 and 20 talks about a little bit about this when he says, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. Isn't that like Jesus to be like, you've been through it, but I've been through it first. Right? He doesn't do it to brag. (laughs) How many know that Jesus don't need to brag? What he is doing is reassuring you that you're not alone. What he's doing is reassuring you that you're not the first to go through it. What he's doing is he wants to remind you of you and then remind you of him and say, okay, compare, compete. No, there's no competition here, right? What Jesus went through is so far worse than what I'm going through. I've never been beaten 39 times with a cat of nine tails. I've never been nailed to a cross, spit on, stripped down naked on a cross in front of the whole community in which I was doing the very ministry but he was hear me now and hear me now the difference between you and the world has to be vast there has to be a vast difference if they persecuted me, he says in verse 20, the B part of that verse, they will persecute you also. So first Peter, when we're talking about first Peter, I want to look into and dive into chapters four and five a little more. We touched on three last week a little bit and, and certain verses, but I want to highlight chapter four and, and chapter five is a real small nugget that, is, that has, has kind of just the closure part of the book, but I really want to focus my attention on the, 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 the fourth chapter and to a little bit of what's left there in the fifth chapter of the book. And and first Peter, when we looked at it in proper context, Peter is writing to Gentile believers. Gentile believers are Gentiles. How many know what Gentiles are? Gentiles is anybody but Jewish, right? So you have your Jews and then you have your Gentiles. Jews are the Jewish people. Gentiles is everybody else. So being Puerto Rican, I'm a Gentile, all right? So I realized that when he talks to these people, you have to look at the book in its context. In 1 Peter, uh, Peter's talking to the people that are not necessarily the ones that the society looks upon as the chosen people of God. But Peter realizes they have a role in the kingdom. How many of you have a role in the kingdom? Raise your hand if you have a role in the kingdom. Right, So you have a role in the kingdom, and he's talking to the Gentile followers of God that are not Jewish, and he's telling them what? He's telling them, like get encouraged right now. Just decide that today you are suffering, but it's not for nothing. So here's what, what begins to happen. We have to understand the context. So let me give you the context. Again, they're under the rule of Nero. Anybody remember Nero? I talked a little bit about him in the, in the first week of this series. I talked about how Nero uh, found joy and, and pleasure in, in basically torturing Christians, first century Christians. In fact, he would find pleasure by dipping them in wax Hanging them on a big uh, on a big stick outside of his uh, castle there, and lighting them on fire just to light up his garden. And you thought being unfriended this past week for something was persecution, <laughs> but I digress. Nero was an evil man, and not only that. You look at it; he he was has been historically uh, said that he murdered his mom, he murdered his wife Octavia, he murdered, uh, and most likely the historians also believe that he murdered his second wife as well. Nero burned down Rome in different parts, and then blamed Christians so that he can do what he wanted to do to them. Can I tell you something? Christians don't typically burn down villages. Those that follow Jesus Christ, you're not burning down your city. If you are following the word of God, you're not burning down your city. Hello? So he then, what he did was, he said, they're following this this Jesus. They're following this man. We need to stop these people, and Nero burned Rome and blamed Christians and then had a reason to execute them the way that he chose to do so. But I believe that in this day and age in which we live, one of the things that's happening is that we are becoming a culture that is also a very persecuted culture. When I say we, I mean Christians, specifically Christians. Because the fact is, on media and social media, you can talk about a lot of, uh, or rather, let me say it like this, you can't talk a lot about other religions, but you can basically bash Christians all, will, just all out. And we're supposed to sit and take it. On average, 322 Christians are killed per month, globally, just for their faith. On average, 214 Christians, uh, Christian churches Uh, Property is destroyed or damaged or vandalized. 772 acts of violence, whether it's rape, beatings, burnings, or torture. If you've never read John Fox's Book of Martyrs, that'll wake you up. There's a persecuted church out there. It's not quite happening in America, but it's happening. Friend, mark my words. There are believers right now being taken advantage of, murdered, raped, and killed just because Jesus is what comes out of their lips. So this is what we're talking about when we talk about persecution. Different perspective. Let's talk about a different perspective of persecution. Let's look at 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 12. If you have your Bibles, turn there. 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 12. Who's got their Bible with them? 1 Peter 4 verse 12, dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through as if someone, something strange were happening to you. When he says fiery trials, I'm very much believing that in a lot of ways he's talking to those who knew Nero was setting on fire. I don't know. But it tends to Be very interesting, at least a thought. If you're living faithfully for Christ, don't be surprised when you get opposition. Hello? Don't be surprised. Just don't. Instead, be very glad, as 1 Peter 4, verse 13, the following verse. Instead, be glad, very glad, for these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering. So that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed to all the world. Listen, I don't know about you, but one day when he returns, I want to be on his side. So I choose to be on his side today. Who's with me? I choose to be on his side today. And you're going to have to make that choice because the world won't make it for you. The world will give you every reason to leave Christ. But I got one really good reason not to. And that's found on the cross. The cross tells me, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through. If something strange will happen to you that's not happening to everybody else. In other words, he's saying, this is not just happening to you, friends. This is happening to those who call themselves believers. Now, let me get, let me kind of, let me just kind of bring this into a place where we can begin to understand. My sons, as of late, my sons have both picked up this thing called soccer. And I have never been a soccer person. First of all, I grew up in New York City. We have like three trees. So like, (laughs) it just wasn't a big sport. For me, it was, you know, basketball was a big thing for me growing up. Given my height, you know, it's definitely a given. I know that's what you were thinking. Um, But I never was a soccer person, right? I was never a soccer person. But both my boys decided, we want to play soccer this year, Dad. So we were like, all right. Let's do it. If you're gonna do it, let's do it. Let's do it right. Right. So, I decided. My wife and I, you know, talked about it. We said, "Okay, let's let them both decide." Oh, ho, ho, ho. That we know what we were getting into. No, we didn't. We did not have a clue what we were getting into. Both of them starting a new sport that they never really played. My my younger son played some, but I was like, "Wow!" So. We would go to the soccer field as of the last couple of months, and we would go out there, whether it's you know, uh, for a home game or an away game, and I'd sit there, and I'm trying to learn. Just yesterday, I learned something new about what one of the calls were, and there's a lot of different calls, and I'm sitting there, and I'm learning, but here's what I do know. I do know hustle, right? Hustle. Get to the ball. I'm saying stuff like I know what I'm talking about. Like I listen to other people cheering their kids on and I I hear what they're saying and I start saying what they're saying because they've been around a while. So they're like, crash the nets. I'm like, crash the nets. Yeah, let's do that. They're like, hustle to the side. Down the line, down the line. I'm like, down the line. I, I think I know what that means. So I'm watching, right? I'm, I'm yelling like a madman sometimes. I'm like, "Go, go, don't, don't let my wife's pretty face fool you. She will yell too. So don't laugh too much, baby. I know we, we together on this. I'm yelling like I know what I'm talking about. I'm getting it, you know, I'm, I'm understanding it. But here's what I do know. I do know that the people on the field are not intimidated by me yelling. I hope that our team hears something and does something, you know, that may encourage them to push and press, right? We want to encourage. How many parents know what I'm talking about? You want to encourage your kid and sometimes you indirectly encourage another kid. Come on, Jeffrey, you can run faster than that. Oh, that's your kid. Yeah, that's Jeffrey, your kid. But they're not intimidated by me being on the sidelines. They're not intimidated by me sitting there, right, in my. And the bleachers or something, I'm sitting there and I'm watching them, and whether it's in a seat or the bleachers, I'm sitting there and I'm I'm just like shouting all these things. Guess what? The opposing team is not intimidated by me. Why? I'm outside of the game. I'm not in the game. I'm just a voice. Can I tell you something? Stop just being a voice in the kingdom. The enemy is not intimidated by people that just are voices in the game, but because those people, those junior hires or senior hires or varsity or junior varsity, they're not intimidated by me. I'm on the sidelines. I'm not in the game. I'm not in opposition, but the ones that are in the game, they're the ones you got to watch for. So guess what? If you're persecuted, there's a good chance that you're in the game. Come on, somebody. Are you worried about me in the sideline? No, nobody's worried about me in the sidelines. Is the enemy worried about you in the sidelines? No, he's not worried about you in the sidelines. But when you get in the game and you decide that there's power and persecution, and no matter what the enemy says or does, I will be everything God called me to be. Come on, I thought I'd get an amen on that one. See, when you're on the bench, you're, you're talking. But when you're in the game, you're walking in the promise. So if you don't serve, you don't give, your prayer life is weak, you're not sharing the gospel, you're not doing what God called you to do, get up and get in the game. Start doing something because we are an extension of the love of God in this world. And somebody has to know that there is hope in Jesus Christ. And who better than you to tell them there are people you can speak to that i can't i don't have a voice in their lives but get in the game and tell somebody come on somebody y'all quiet on me don't get quiet on me don't get quiet on me i'm telling you right now if you don't serve you don't give you don't pray you don't do something about what you're doing listen if you if you're a saved person you serve people if you're not a threat then you're a consumer Getting real quiet. Because the moment you stand for Christ, you're putting yourself out there. And some of you have been burnt by someone in the past. Some of you have been burnt by someone who hurt you. You served and someone hurt you. You said, you know what? I'm never going to do that again. I'm never going to serve in that ministry again. I'm never going to serve that person or that church. And now all of a sudden, that church becomes all church. That person becomes all people. That religion becomes all of faith. And all of a sudden, you are the one left sitting there on the bench, rotting the pine, till Jesus comes. And then, when Jesus comes, you say, "But, but, 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 but that church hurt me." Hello. If we was to leave when the church hurt us, there wouldn't be anybody in this room. Nobody. Raise your hand if you've been hurt by somebody in the church, by a believer. By a pastor, I'll turn around, just go ahead. Put them down, quickly, put them down. Now, listen, 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 listen. Christianity is not a playground, it's a battleground. Make no mistake. Don't be surprised about the battles you're facing. Don't be surprised by the fiery trial we're talking about. Let's look at 1 Peter chapter 4. Because when Peter was writing this message, we realized that there's a lot of things happening in 1 Peter chapter 12 and 13. Uh, let me see. First Peter chapter 4 verses 12 and 13. Let's turn there again really quickly. Dear friends, don't be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering as though something strange were happening to you. I read that earlier. Let's look at verse 13. But rejoice that you participate in the suffering of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. When we look at that, we have to understand that there was a, a context. and What was interesting is, as I read the passage before that, and we won't probably have this on the screen, this is something that I was reading, and I realized, if you look back at verse 7, chapter 4, verse 7, look at your Bibles. If I can have the, the ushers turn up the light uh, uh, just a little bit in the room, if we can have just a little bit of light, uh, if those of you that don't have a lit-up Bible that lights up like uh, digitally or whatever, uh, it says this, verse 7, The end of all things, watch this now, the end of all things is near, you won't see that on the screen, therefore be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. In order for us to pray during persecution, we have to be two things, self-controlled and clear-minded. If you're going to get through persecution times, if you're going to get through times that are difficult, you need to understand that there has to be, you have to become a person that is clear minded and self controlled. Because it's in that that you'll be able to pray. So let's read on to verse 8. Above all, love each other deeply. Did you know you're supposed to love your neighbor? It's not just like a thought or a really nice bumper sticker. But God is literally calling you to love your neighbor. Love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality. Come on, somebody, coffee in the foyer this morning. That's why we offer hospitality. I knew I was going to read this verse. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to what? Take in for themselves. What does it say there? Serve others. So God gave you a gift to what? Serve others. How do we get through trials? Serve others. How do we get the mindset to get through trials? We think clearly and we decide to be self-controlled. Now, let me, let me give you this other one here. It says to serve others and faithfully administering God's grace in various forms. Now, watch this. Verse 11. Hear this. It's one verse. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. When you are as a believer, look at me, everyone eyeball to eyeball, I need you to see this. When you speak, if you call yourself a believer, what comes out your mouth should be something that Christ would say. Now, we all fall short. I'm going to just say that right front. Some of you are like, now nah, you done raised the bar way too high. I'm never going to get there. <laughs> like Pastor Tony, like bring out the biggest ladder. Yo, just went there. Listen, I'm not reading my words. I'm reading his words. So if you got issues, get the tissues and read with me. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides so that in all things, In the Greek, that word all things means all things. Let's move on. So that God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and power forever and ever. But Pastor Tony, I can't possibly do what you're asking me to do. That's fantastic. That's great. I didn't ask you to. God did. He's the one saying to you today and he wouldn't ask of you something you can't do. The Holy Spirit that hovered over the face of the waters in Genesis lives in you. Tell me again what you can't do. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. Tell me again what you can't do. The same blood of Jesus Christ that covers all the the, the generation from generation to generation is covering you. Tell me again what you can't do. Because all we do is tell ourselves, I can't do this. I can't do this. No wonder you don't. Stop telling yourself you can't do something. And Start saying through Christ. I can do all things. You know what he's talking about? He's not talking about lifting a 500 pound weight Like the weightlifters do I can do all things I can do all things. That's not what he's talking about What he's saying is you can endure it you can get through the the trial that you're going through And he says very clearly here Speak and serve speak and and serve speak as Christ and serve as unto God everybody say speak, speak. Serve. serve speak, speak. Serve. serve that's what God is calling us to do in these last days during the persecution speak and serve and we look at that and this is just just blew my mind as i read this i love first peter I love this book. I hope that you've been taking my challenge from the beginning of September. I said to each of you, I said read through 1 Peter and when you're done, read it again and when all is said and done, read it again because we're living 1 Peter. Friends, we're living 1 Peter right now. There are people dying for their faith. Dying in general. And we're seeking comfort. Where am I going to get comfort from? Where am I going to get peace? And Christians are like, oh, I don't know what to say. All I could do is pray. What do you mean all you could do is pray? That's the best thing you could do right now. So my challenge is out. Are you ready? I put this out last week and the week before. The month of October, every Wednesday night from 7 to 8, in this room, we're going to be praying. Let's see how many of you show up. You said you believe in prayer that's four wednesdays don't tell me you can't make one of them I'm, I'm gonna i'm talking to you as your pastor don't tell me you can't make any of them make it to one of them make it to two of them. make it to all of them it does not matter i'm telling you right now our church our leadership our community and our nation As we pray, not just for our nation leaders, but our president from the president down. How many know the president and everybody else in our leadership needs our prayers right now? We need to pray like him or not, love them or not. It does not matter. That's your call was not to like them. Your call was to pray for them. Whether you agree with their stance, just agree. "I'm, I'm this. I'm I'm an elephant. I'm a donkey. No, you are following the lamb. Come on, somebody. As believers, it's about the lamb, not the donkey, not the elephant. It's about the lamb. Let's make it about the lamb. And Christians pray. Seven to eight every Wednesday night, warfare prayer in this room. I dare you to show up. I dare you to be different. I challenge you to make yourself a part of the equation. I challenge you to get in the game because we're different. We got to pray church straight up. We got to pray Stop dodging opposition Face it realize that we are differing and that's okay See because there's 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 a circle that happens and I need the media team to help me with this because when you pursue Comfort you put yourself in a position to not follow God. So here's how it looks when you pursue comfort That's option one when you pursue comfort You avoid opposition, your faith weakens, and your life feels empty. That's your option. Option number two, I live boldly. I face the opposition, my faith is strengthened, and I draw closer to Christ. You see that? Those are your options as believers. You can either pursue comfort or live boldly. You can't do both. You just can't, not in the day and age in which we live. So my, my thought to you is, would you consider living boldly? Because the world, I put option one. They said, you know, well, why don't you put, Pastor Tony, why don't you put live boldly as option one? Because that's not what our sinful nature, our sinful nature defaults to what it understands, right? Our sinful nature wants to what? Pursue comfort. Our sinful nature wants to do dodge opposition. So, what are we talking about? Our sinful nature wants to pursue comfort, avoid opposition. Our faith, then, when we avoid that, our faith weakens because there's nothing coming against us. And what ends up happening? Our life is empty because we can't fight. But, what if this church. What if the church of Jesus Christ decides to live boldly? If the church decides to live boldly, guess what happens? When we live boldly, we face the opposition. We say, you know what? I I don't like this opposition, but I'm going to face it. I'm going to deal with it. You know what happens? God God strengthens your faith. And what happens when God strengthens in your faith? You live closer to Christ every day of your life. I'm going to share these notes online. You can always visit them on our website, wearefreedomlife.com. We often post our um, notes on there. You can see them. But but I need you to see this and I need you to understand that God is calling us in this day to live boldly. Amen. What we need to do is do what is right and trust God with the results. Why? Because if you're suffering in a manner that pleases God, keep on doing what is right. Look at verse 19. Let's look at verse 19. I think we have that. So if you're suffering in a manner that pleases God, keep on doing what is right. Not what feels right. Not what feels comfortable. I never said that. I never said do what feels comfortable to you. Say that for the spa. Okay, save that for when you go on vacation and you want, I don't like this chair, so I'm going to go to that chair. Save it for that moment, not for your faith. Not for your faith. You ever went to, how many ever went to the supermarket and you got that one cart that had the prodigal wheel? You know what I'm talking about, right? That one wheel that does this it looks like it's having a seizure, and you're like, what is going on here? You're trying to, and it starts going left. You're like, I'm trying to go right. You're trying to go, it's trying to go left. What is going on here? The prodigal wheel. <laughs> I tried to keep it straight face. So it wasn't working prodigal wheels all over the place and you're like oh i picked the worst one and then what do you say i always pick the worst one right i always pick the worst one listen if you're talking about comfort get another get another cart that's when it's appropriate stop and get you another cart, or send your children that's what god gave them to you for Would you do me a favor, walk half a mile over there and get that cart? Bring it to me. That's what God gave him to me for, too. Not going to lie. And so what we realize is this. That's when comfort is okay. You want to push the cart with four good wheels? God bless you. Go for it. But comfort is not always going to fit in your frame of Christianity. And you gotta be okay with that. So what am I saying? I'm saying that there's power and persecution. You think he left you? Do you think for a moment you've been left behind? He knows you and he loves you. Do what is right at school, at work, with your family, with your team. Do what is right and let God work out the details because he will never fail you. The world is getting darker and darker. That means your light is brighter and brighter. The world is getting darker and darker. Media team, help me out, Please play something like that. The world is getting darker and darker and I'm telling you right now that this should not worry you. It just means you're in the right place. So, what am I saying to you today? I'm saying persecution never weakens the church. It strengthens the church. You look at the history of persecution in the church, that's when the church was at its best. Friend, I'm telling you right now, we're going to be at our best. Jesus Christ is coming back again, and we got to be at our best. Are you hearing me? Are you hearing what I'm saying? I'm saying we got to get in the game. You can't be at your best as a spectator. Listen, for those of you that are home right now, turn your watch party into a do party. It's, it's no longer about watching what other people are doing. It's about doing what God has called you to do. Persecution never, ever, ever weaken the church. In fact, persecution has always strengthened the church because Time and time again. You look at it, when when the church was persecuted, that's when it thrived. But yet we seek comfort all the time as if somehow God is very much wanting to make you comfortable. And comfort is our enemy sometimes. Hello? So it's easy to claim to be Christian and do nothing. Persecution doesn't happen. And we're okay with that. No persecution this week. I dodged another bullet. You can't be persecuted if you're not a threat. If you can be comfortable with being uncomfortable, you're going, you're going in the right direction. You hear me? Just decide to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. How about 2020, anybody? Hello? If there's ever a time to preach about being uncomfortable, 2020 has made us a very much a culture of discomfort. Discomfort. But I love how 1 Peter in chapter 5, verse 5 says this. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Because it's going to take a humble person to say, God, I trust you to this persecution. Humble yourselves under the almighty power of God, verse 6. And the right time he will lift you up in honor. Give all your worries and cares to God for he cares about you. Come on, that's a good word right there. Let me give you one more for that. You ready? And this is my last verse. I'm going to ask you to stand with me all across this room as I read this last verse. For those of you at home, you may just watch this verse. And I think we have it up on the screen. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10 and 11. I want you to see this. And I wanted to bring careful attention to a word that is in this verse. Are you ready? Because how many of you know that we have a theme this year as a church? Those of you that are guests or first timers, you may not know we have a theme. Those of you that are regular attendees, you know what that theme is. But let's just read the verse for a moment and then take it from there. You ready? Chapter 5, verse 10 and 11 of 1 Peter. So after you have suffered a little while, he will restore, support, and strengthen you. He will place you on a firm foundation, all power to him forever. Amen. Can you read verse 10 with me one more time? Can you read it out loud with me? Say it with me. So after you have suffered a little while, he will restore, support, and strengthen you, and he will place you on a firm foundation the word restore restore that is our theme for this entire year when I saw this it jumped out like a lion at my face and just tore me up I was like God has been calling us to restore our people but he also wants to restore us amen so know that he will place on you on a firm foundation Today, friends, listen to me. Listen to me closely. Whether you're here, live, on site, or online, can I tell you this right now? God is your restore. And if we can decide for him to be our restore, we will live differently. We will live differently. It's nature to want to live like everybody else and be a number, but to be different and be okay with that is the call of god in our lives amen can i ask you to do one more thing with me as we pray can i ask you to be willing if you're willing to just lift up your hands however you decide you want to do it if it's up parallel or just down on your side whatever just lift your hands wherever you decide you feel most comfortable with i'm asking you to do this just for a moment and i'm asking you to consider am i in the game are you in the game Are you a spectator or are you a participator? And if you're a spectator, then how are you going to change that? If you're a participator, stand firm for the firm foundation that he will give you will be one that no one can mimic or take away. So Father, right now in this room, there are people in this room and listening online watching online. God, they need a touch of the almighty God through their persecution, through the difficult times, the dark times. Father, we do no good if we're standing on the sidelines shouting, giving instructions from the sidelines. Instead, allow us to get in the game and serve, give, and bring the gospel to somebody. Father, I pray for every person that has lifted up their hands right now you would allow them to sense your glory in their lives. May they be different for the glory and honor of Jesus Christ. Repeat after me. Say this. I want to be different for your glory. I want to be different and called by your name. In Jesus' name I pray.